to let me know Should I stay or should I go Well, welcome to the Riveting Exchanges podcast with your hosts, Andrea Olson and Desiree Grace, and we have a two-part topic today. We're going to start with the first part of the topic, which is transitions and finding out when to move on, and we're going to have a follow-up podcast talking about how to make that transition. So the big question is when you're in in a role, in a job, and something's uncomfortable, something doesn't feel right, when do you know is the time to move on? And, and why do people leave? And Desiree, I was just curious, in your personal experience, what have you felt and seen in your different job transitions that's caused you to, to move on? You know, generally, Andrea, it has been a change in leadership or a change in overall company direction. Um, I think all people have to feel aligned with the company direction, but I think as a, a sales leader, you, you have to be on board with those things because you're, you're not only accountable to your colleagues, you're accountable to your customers. And if you're not mm-hmm. on board with a, a direction shift and you can't get yourself on board, um, that, that, cannot, that for me at least, has always been the the reason I've I've left. It it really wasn't anything other than um I'm thinking back, you know, 20 some years of <laughs> sure. And you know, it's it's typically been a, a shift in direction or a shift in leadership that um no matter how hard I tried, I I couldn't get my mind and heart behind. How about you? Right. Right. You know, I've had similar things. I I would totally agree. You know, I would say that, you know, sometimes for me, it's been certain life changes that, you know, required me to reassess whether I could stay at a specific company. You know, that's that's family things oftentimes. Um, Oftentimes that also ties to to monetary changes and needs uh, that that arise that maybe you didn't expect. And so you do have to look thing that maybe has more upward mobility. Uh, I would say to be fully candid, there, there have been times where maybe I took on a role or position, uh, especially in maybe a larger organization where I guess I would phrase it as you might've been sold a certain bill of goods and the way the role and the organization actually functioned was very different from that initial conversation of what that company claimed they wanted you to do. So, for example, they might have said, hey, we want you to come in and take the lead on X, Y, and Z. And when that opportunity then arises, there's a different culture in the organization where it could be high micromanagement. It could be a lot more bureaucracy than you expected, or maybe it's that was kind of the role title, but that's not actually really the job you're doing. And so I think that bait and switch sometimes gets people – uh, a little frustrated, and that sometimes it spurs on folks saying, "Hey, is this the right role for me?" Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that for sure. If you have been promised something that didn't come to fruition, or um, something was not presented accurately, mm-hmm. I definitely think those are signifiers that you may want to move on. Now, I guess if it's better than what was originally presented, that's okay. The the conundrum, (laughs) of course, is, which I think was your case, and thinking about one experience I had, 
It was not better than was presented. It was worse. Yeah. So um, I, I think that, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, your personal brand, your personal reputation, your personal integrity, mm-hmm. that's something you, you do need as a professional to be protective of. You need to be yes. intentional and cognizant. And if, if your career path is not helping that, that's one clue that it might be time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you mentioned um, changes in the role and um, changes in the job description from what had been originally presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there, there are cases where um, I know women and men who have not been upwardly mobile because the organization or the supervisor liked them in the role they were in because they were incredibly competent there. And mm-hmm. there was resistance to letting that individual grow. Um, and so they were, they were kind of stuck and they wanted upward mobility. They wanted new challenges. So right. that could be a reason to leave as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about your job being, you know, one third of your lifespan, you know, it's a third of your time. You have to think back and say, you know, where do I want to be? What do I want to accomplish? You know, if that's having a role where uh, you're doing a task, uh, it's, it's a continual challenge, but you're not looking for upward mobility, you're just content in being that in that slot, that's totally fine. But as you're looking at the bigger picture, you know, do you want to stay and grow in this organization? And that might not be upward, that could be lateral. But if they have put you in a slot and say, well, you know, you're too valuable here. We don't want to move you. On one hand, it's an indirect compliment. But on the other hand, that can be really limiting because they're not looking at the organization and saying, how can we grow multiple skill sets? That actually is kind of putting you in a position where you're potentially and unintentionally hampering the growth of the organization because you're the only one that can do X, Y, Z job. Yeah, and you know that's not that's not fair. And um, I mean, unless that's what you as an individual want or or are comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, that's a signifier in in my book that it is time to move on. Um, you know, and sometimes even organizations may throw a lot of money at you to keep you put, but oh, sure. if that's not consistent with your career goals and your aspirations then, hey, it is time to move on. Um, You know, and sometimes, too, people want to actually make a career change. You know, maybe um, they've always been in finance or legal, and they're interested in something maybe more Mm customer-facing or more process-driven. And the current organization doesn't support a non-traditional assignment or maybe a lateral move into a different department. Yeah, that can be a case too where you may want to think long and hard about moving. Um, you know, and, and we'll talk next week about some of the challenges with moving organizations. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, maybe there's a place in your existing organization where you can change careers. It, you know, if you do right. like the current culture, but you are looking to expand your skill set a lot of organizations will embrace someone that wants to make a lateral move because they value 
that perspective from another area. Right. Yeah, th- those right. can be reasons why you might want to leave a current role as well. You know, and the other angle to that is that that I think sometimes a lot of women struggle with because they take on the role and they take on the responsibility, right? There is a vested interest in saying, I'm here, I need to do this job, and I want to make sure it's done right, is that they will tolerate highly toxic environments. And in, just in my opinion, I've seen it a bit more than men, generally speaking, where you know, you might have a dominant boss, a micromanaging boss, someone who is just really kind of keeping you in a corner. And due to, you know, whatever reasons, it's responsibility of the family, it's fear for finding another job with equivalent benefits or pay, uh, you know, limited opportunity to go seek another job, you know, people will continue to tolerate that. And it's just a huge burden on not only your physical health, but your mental health as well. Yeah, you know, the toll that the wrong job can take in terms of stress, that may be something that that you do need to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I funny story, many years ago I was managing um, an organization and they had gone public. They were trying to really meet the numbers. So long story short, um, they thought, hey, um, we're, we're going to slash and burn a bunch of people so that oh. we can um, make our year-end numbers for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And not only did I not agree with that short-term outlook, I ended up staying late, working weekends, trying to cover these roles that were pretty critical that had been eliminated. And... Um, I eventually sought employment elsewhere, but my sure. warehouse manager did say, he said, Desiree, he said, you have just looked so haggard lately. Um, I, uh, I I hope this, this works out for you because I can tell you've been stressing and it, it's showing. I mean, mm-hmm. ouch, but, you know, one of the things I liked about this guy was that he was always very frank and trans, uh, transparent. Um so you, you got both sides of it. Um, right. But I, I think sometimes you, it, your body might even be telling you the answer. Oh, sure. Um, oh, sure. You know, I, I can tell you that, you know, stress will just change the way you think, the way you react to others, the way you sleep, the way you eat. And, you know, I think everyone kind of feels like in, in this today's culture, there is stress and you just have to tolerate it. And there's not really another option. So, you know, kind of buck up and, and do it. And, and in your example, which is a great one, you know, goes back to, well, I have two choices. I can either try to get all these things done because you know, there's no one else to do it. Or, you know, do I leave this job and leave the burden to others that becomes even larger? And I think a lot of people have guilt with that. You know, they don't want to put their colleagues that, that even might be friends you know, under that, that burden that the company has established. And it's no one's fault, but it doesn't mean that you as an individual have to take that on. I think you need to stand up for yourself, and that's sometimes very scary to do. It is, but being a martyr is long-term not productive for anyone, right. your your family, your friends, yourself, your colleagues, um, the people that might be counting on you to perform a job well. 
I mean, there is there are always going to be times in our work life where we're very busy. We were getting ready for a presentation, whatever. That's mm-hmm. fine. But but if it has become a nonstop, constant grind with no end in sight, you know that is an indicator, and maybe there's something going on in the culture. And you know there are times where you you also have to recognize: Can I change the culture? Can I have an impact on this? Do I have a voice to someone to say, "Hey, the answer is not paying overtime. The answer is adding headcount." Mm-hmm. Or do I not have the ability to improve or impact the existing culture? And I think, you know, that's, that's a question that you have to ask yourself and, and really think about it and know the answer. Because if, if, then you can say, all right, I want to stay. I want to be part of the solution. But if the answer is not, then, you know, you may have to accept a lousy culture. If I recall correctly, mm-hmm. you stayed in a, a culture that was <clears throat> borderline toxic due to geographical constraints at one point in your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. And it was just one of those things where, you know, it was initially a, a really good opportunity. And the job itself I very much enjoyed. But the company culture was highly uh, it, it, I wouldn't want to say the word masculine because there's nothing wrong with that, but it was very aggressive. It was very internally competitive. It was a lot of undercutting. And it was one of those situations where I didn't have the opportunity to leave at that moment. And so it was a question of, at first, attempting to try to change that culture, but then coming to the conclusion that, and you have to be honest with yourself, if it's a futile effort, Right. Sometimes you do hear promises about change or you hear things that, you know, this is going to happen, but you have to look back and realize what's actually true. And I'll give you a very tangible example. So one of the things that they did encourage was, you know, high-performance employees they wanted to incentivize and keep there, you know, outside of the cultural challenges. And so they would provide financial incentives and they provide programs, and, you know, they were very lucrative. And at first, you're extremely eager. You see this opportunity. You say, I'm the one who's going to be able to do that. I can accomplish this. But in some informal research throughout the organization, I actually found out that only one person had officially retired, ever officially retired from that company. And all these high performance and incentive programs were tied to the fact that you state the organization up to retirement. And really the strategy was we want to keep you here, but we don't want to have to give you a big payout at the end. We're just going to kind of let you go. And we're talking about an over 100-year-old company. I understand if it's five, ten years and maybe nobody's had a chance to retire. This was not the case. There was definitely more than enough opportunity for more than one individual in that entire company to ever retire. So, you know, it was one of those things where you go – all right, I need to see the writing on the wall, and I can try to be optimistic, but I'm not going to change the world here, right? And that's okay, but be smart about it and find a way to step out because this is not going to be healthy for me long term. Exactly, and that's a case where you identified a culture, you know, maybe toxic is not the right word, but certainly 
not conducive to your long-term goals, financial right. or career path, mm-hmm. and it's, it's time to leave. Um, you know, there, there was an interesting article in the Harvard Business Review back in January of this year indicating that the main reason people leave organizations is because of, quote-unquote, bad bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think that's an, another case in point as well. Is there an opportunity to, to change the boss, either speak with them or find a new boss in the same organization or make a decision to leave for that reason? Um, right. And there's, there's a lot of things that hold people back from leaving. Um, maybe we should shift gears and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the fear of leaving sometimes even just boils down to starting over. I think it's the devil you know, right? It's, I don't like this. I, it's not right for me. I know there's other opportunities out there but I don't know if I'm going to go from bad to worse. And bad to worse can go from culture to monetary to have to have a bigger commute to, you know, this, this job gives me a flexible schedule and I've got two kids. And you know what? I just can't afford to change that opportunity. But it's risk-reward, right? If you're not healthy and you're not, you know, your stress isn't managed effectively, it doesn't matter how flexible that schedule is because you're not going to be able to be there for your kids. Yeah, and what good is that? I mean, ultimately, right. that's that's not why we're working. Um, you know, it's it's interesting too the the fear of change. You know, and you touched on it earlier too. You don't want to burden the people left behind. You know, your work family. Sometimes you spend more time with them than you do your actual family. And right. if you have a good cohesive group, you do support each other, you, um, you know, balance each other out, compensate, cover for, you know, illnesses or areas of strengths and weaknesses, you help each other out, you share best practices. And I think there can be survivor's guilt if you're leaving right. behind some people you, you value and respect and, and what you mm-hmm. might be leaving them to. Um, so, there, you know, there's that as well. And, you know, along with fear of change, I think there's fear of failure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's especially if you're in the position where, let's say, you're the sole breadwinner or the primary breadwinner. You know, it's it's that risk. And if I'm switching from A to B, even if it's a similar job but a different role and maybe perceived different expectations at that company, you know, you fear that if I fail, everything crumbles around me. And so there's this you know, comfort in going, well, I've learned to tolerate this and I can find a way to cope. And it just becomes something where complacency kills, right? And I'm not suggesting people jump from job to job just because one or two small things are causing frustration. You actually have to step back and assess whether this is something that is truly impeding your career path are you the one that's not maybe being amicable or flexible to the situation because let's say the company is going through a transition and it is actually a temporary thing, right? That could be the case. You know, are you being too hard or are you being not hard enough? And it's a very difficult balance to, to really be practical and honest with yourself about what that situation is. 
you know, I'll, I'll share something that a, a friend of mine, a, a woman I worked with previously and, and really, really respected said to me when I changed jobs a little over a year ago. I, I met her for lunch, and um, she had done some consulting work for us at that particular employer, and they were very different from the culture that she and I had come from when we worked together. And when mm-hmm. I changed jobs about a year ago, um, she said something that, that really surprised me, but after I reflected upon it, I, I could really see where she was coming from. Yeah, um, and what she had said was that the culture at that particular organization she did not think long term was going to do me any favors. I'm choosing my words oh, carefully here because I, sure. I don't want to speak ill. Um, and she had secretly been concerned that I would stay for personal reasons. Um, you know, I think as most of our listeners know, I have a young child. Mm-hmm. And... Um, her concern was that I might stay there because it was extremely family-friendly culture, but not the best, most professional culture. Right. And so I, I, when she shared that with me, I thought, wow. And then I thought about it on the drive home, and I thought, you know, I, that she, she vocalized something that I had kind of secretly been concerned about for the last 18 to 24 months Mm -hmm. and um for she articulated it extremely well and I thought wow that was incredibly insightful but I I can see why she made that point and it kind of articulates something that had been kind of niggling at me that I couldn't quite put my finger on um but I think that point remains you're, you're balancing personal and professional. We all mm-hmm. are, whether we have kids or not, it doesn't matter. We're all balancing those things. And you, you don't want to long-term sacrifice one for the sake of the other if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not a simple answer or a, a simple situation and sometimes we do make short-term sacrifices for the long-term good. Sure. But I, I thought I, I wanted to share that because it, it made a lot of sense once I thought about it. And, um, you know, it does go to that um, fear of leaving. But I think that sometimes it's more scary to stay if you take a step back and think, well, gosh, I could be here another 15 years. Do I really want to do that with the next 15 years of my career? Um, right. So, and, you know, let's face it, Andrea, looking for a job is a job. Oh, gosh. You know, and looking for a job to, in today's climate, even though we've got low unemployment, it's it's so difficult because I think the most effective Method. And it always really has been, but even more so today is having a network, right? Yes. And if you have been stuck in your position and only know the people you work with and have not really been exposed to anyone outside that organization, 
Now your network continues to shrink every day, every month, right? And you haven't, if you haven't maintained those relationships, once you need to call on them, it's very difficult to rebuild that investment. And I think that's the other angle to this is a lot of folks go, well, I've looked online, I've looked for jobs, there's nothing there. And, you know, we all know that there is this, I don't want to say it's a hidden job market, but there are great opportunities out there if you start having conversations with people and start sharing your skill sets, sharing your interests. And I understand that there is the other side of the coin there where you go, I don't want my current employer to find out I'm looking. But if you're not actively out there and really exploring, these things will not fall in your lap like they did 20, 30 years ago, where you could look, you could, you know, for a job online, apply, and and boom, you have an interview. It's just not quite the same as it used to be. No, and you do absolutely positively need to work your network. And you can do it discreetly. Um, I think anybody that is a friend or a valued colleague understands if you want to um, retain your current position while looking that you do need to be discreet and respectful and professional about it. Right. Um, you know, all bets are off if you're unemployed. That's a totally different scenario. But we we like to think we can control these things as much as possible. So the better scenario is that discrete network. Um, you know, one of the things I think it, it's important to do is identify those people in your network that you trust that also have a broad network and make a point of letting them know that you are looking. And if you have a mentor or an advocate, I think you also need to talk to that individual and let them know that mm-hmm. you're looking and, wh- and what you're interested in finding. You know, and that can um, be even unexpected colleagues. You know, if you have, in your example with, you said you had a, a, a consultant vendor, but you had built a mm-hmm. relationship with that person, they're coming from an outside perspective, and they have their own network of people and companies and businesses that they work with. If that's someone who you feel like, you have built that relationship, there's a level of trust, there's an understood confidentiality, you know, be open with that. It doesn't have to be just family and friends, and it definitely doesn't have to be just colleagues in the office because sometimes that's a high-risk situation, even if they're very honest about it and say, no, I'm, I'm going to be quiet, I understand this confidentiality. But, you know, again, there's a little bit of fear there. So, you know, I'd say look in unexpected places. Well, and, you know, that's a good point. It, and it doesn't even just have to be in your work sphere, although certainly recommend any sort of industry associations or conferences where yeah. you might have the opportunity to meet people in your, your other sector or other employers in your same sector or even different sector but maybe similar skill set, depending on what your, your particular goals and aspirations are. But you mm-hmm. can also really broaden your network if you are involved in volunteering in any way. Oh, yeah. You know, you know even actually universities will offer that. Yeah, junior achievement yeah. rates, um, local colleges and universities. They also have a lot of resources for if you're looking to, I need to update my resume, I want to brush up on my interview skills. You know, oftentimes these are, are gratis uh, or very low cost, uh, you know, to to spend that time and do that. Um, 
and it's, you know, again, it's trying to juggle those things around family, but you have to invest in you. You know, it's not about trudging through things. It's about saying what's going to be best for me, which in turn is also best for my family and my personal health. Well, and I think it's really, quite frankly, a good best practice to keep your LinkedIn profile current and to keep your resume current. I know you had talked about um, you think doing that quarterly is a best practice. I I would say at a minimum once a year, Mm -hmm. whether it's on your work anniversary or at the beginning of the calendar of the year, make sure that you're keeping your LinkedIn profile current with the projects you're working on, the things you've accomplished. Make sure that you've got your resume current because you just never know. Maybe it could be some fabulous opportunity that drops in your lap, you know, to speak at an an industry event and somebody wants, you know, your CV. How much easier is it going to be if you've got it ready anyhow? Um, Right. you know, I've spoken to people, and, and I know you've, you've mentored others as well as I have, who they don't even know where to start. Well, their, their resume has got three inches of dust on it because they haven't <laughs> changed it since they went to employer A 12 years ago. Right, right. And that's the thing. So if you think about, all right, I'm going to do this task. I'm going to make a leap and start working on my resume and make some changes. And you sit down and you go, Oh gosh, what have I done in the last 12 years, right? And it becomes a major hassle. And and as you were saying, you know, for me, I say every quarter because I would rather spend 10 minutes on something once a quarter than have to make something a project I'd sit down for two or three hours, right? And as things change, depending on the pace of your work, there might be something small that you can't even think about, like, oh, I am volunteering now for Girl Scouts. It didn't even cross my mind. Right, but you can forget about these simple things. Or if you did a small project on the side, or if you were, uh, you know, just did some contract work, which also is another way to start building your network if you can do it, and getting some supplemental income if you don't have a conflict of interest with your employer. That is a nice soft way to start transitioning as well. Absolutely. Um... And, you know, we'll talk next week on how to do this, but um, maybe we should wrap up our, our conversation um, by reminding people that there is a big upside when you do leave. It generally, when you change jobs, there, there's an opportunity to improve your income. You're going to learn new skills, you're going to learn a new culture, you're going to expand your network, and you will develop professionally because you will be challenged in ways that you had not been challenged previously. And also, quite frankly, the organizational agility that you have to learn by changing organizations, it does force you to take a fresh look at things, and um, it challenges you in ways maybe you didn't necessarily expect, whether it's adapting to a new corporate culture, adapting Mm -hmm. to a new boss, a new set of colleagues. Having that type of agility as a professional 
is a good skill. It is. It definitely is. You know, and it's something that it's hard to put on a resume and have people say this is a good thing because in the past you see be perceived that what quote unquote job hopping might be a negative. But, you know, if it's something that you're doing strategically and you have a clear-cut reason behind each move and can articulate that and then also take those new skill sets to the next job and the next job, now you're just building upon yourself and you're building your own personal value. And at the end of the day, you know, the, old, the one thing you have is your knowledge and your skills that no one else can take from you. And it's critically important to say, hey, I'm more valuable as an organization by bringing different perspectives, new ideas, new knowledge, new skill sets, new talents each time and any time that you do move. And once you get into that rut of staying with a company for 30-plus years, I think everybody knows some of those folks they've ever worked with that have been what quote-unquote lifers do get very set in their ways. You know, and as the organization change, it's much more difficult for them to change. So if you do get a job where you say, this is the opportunity, I want to stay here a long time, you still need to have that mentality of I'm open to change and willing to change and able to change, which is one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of our talk. Yeah. I think the reality, too, is that the, the pace of business, regardless of what business you're in, is much faster. And that's been mm-hmm. sped along by technology and you know other macroeconomic and cultural developments. But getting comfortable with identifying change, figuring out if this is a change that you're 100% or even 85% on board with or 85% against, and then being willing to make those changes um, you know, I, I'll invoke the serenity prayer, the Alcoholics Anonymous prayer, whatever you want to call it. But this, this idea sure. of um, accepting the things you can't change, changing the things you can, and knowing mm-hmm. the difference, I, I would yeah. add to that, have, you know, the, and then the final line of having the courage to do it um, in, in addition to the wisdom to figure out which is which, having the courage to own your career and own your career path and the courage to make those changes and evaluate if you should stay or if you should go, that is taking ownership of your career as well as your life. And I really encourage our listeners to do that. On our next podcast, we will talk about that. Um, We'll talk about how to make the transition and how to leave, because the last thing anybody wants to do is burn bridges. I think we've both seen people boomerang back to companies. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot, but it does happen. And you might see those colleagues at an industry event. Um, you might run into them at the local grocery store. So yep. there, there's some do's and don'ts about how to find that new job and some do's and don'ts about how to leave without damaging your personal brand. And we'll be talking about that next time on the Riveting Exchanges podcast. Andrea Olson and I, Desiree Grace, 
Thank you for listening. We wish our listeners all well, and we will talk again next month. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.